1: and as we seek to point Christ to those who are lost and struggling.
0: This is our seventh episode on the subject, and if you're wondering why we're focusing on this topic with such intensity, it's because struggle is a central element of our faith. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If this is your first time tuning in, and if you would like to hear those past shows on Struggle or any previous episodes of Courageous Christianity, they're all available at KKHT.com, on CourageousChristianity.today, or on your favorite podcast app. Of course, nobody necessarily wants to struggle. Unfortunately, the reality of life is that we all will. And it's not that God is a mad scientist or a Marine Corps drill instructor subjecting us to various experiments and hardships, but sometimes, by our own choices or by the choices of others, or by circumstances or a natural occurrence like an earthquake, or a biological occurrence like a birth defect, or an illness, we find ourselves in struggle. And all struggle is not the same. Some challenges may be light and transient, and others may be soul-rending and unending, reaching into the very depths of our faith and our ability to endure. Without qualification, what can be said of all struggle is that if we turn to God, He will be with us. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2 say, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Our help comes from the Lord, and I imagine nobody knows this better than our guest today. Wendy Gaikoma is a Christian and a certified executive and leadership coach. She works with leaders in corporate and nonprofit settings, including coaching students at Rice and Vanderbilt universities. Wendy believes that everyone can be a leader as they choose to influence the world around them. And this belief does not come without cost. Wendy has walked ground that nobody wants to walk. And we're so grateful and honored that she would be willing to share her story with us. Wendy, welcome.
2: Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman. Christy Mendelo.
1: <laughs> Wendy laughs. I love like that. that. <laughs> I used to be a whole bunch of different adjectives before, and now I'm the wedded wingman, and I'm so grateful, and Wendy, so glad you're here. Oh, it's great to be here, Christy.
0: Friends, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as you tell us in the story of Job and the book of Isaiah, we cannot fathom your mysteries. We cannot probe your limits, and as the heavens are above the earth, so your ways are higher than our ways. And yet the struggle before each of us each day on earth in our frail and small lives can test us to the edges of our faith and resolve. We do not seek to know your reasons for everything, O Lord, but we do seek your love as our refuge and the staff on which we lean when putting one foot in front of the other is all that we can do. Father, our hearts are with all of those in struggle. And we pray that you bless this conversation, that good might come of it, that encouragement might be found by those who are overwhelmed, and that by our struggles we are united as your people in the community of our pain as we strive each day to comfort each other and to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Wendy, thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Coach. That's Coach cool. Wendy. Coach yes, that uh,
2: Yes, that is.
1: Would yeah. one
0: say Coach Wendy? Can I say that? You can. Okay. That's
1: her signature yep, that's on her my, email. Yes, Coach it is. Wendy. Coach I love Wendy. So. I like it. I have to tell the listeners really quickly, though, how I know Wendy. Okay. We're fellow coaches with the International Coach Federation. And I met Wendy a couple of years ago, I think specifically at our our Texas retreat. Yes. Yeah. And I just remember just the bright light. Uh, you were, and we've been, in, you know, now out of touch because of the COVID, like, hiatus type of thing. And uh, I was doing some researching on Christian coaching, and I found that Wendy was on the faculty of the Professional Coaching Christian Institute. Did yeah, say C- that right? Professional Christian Coaching, coaching Institute. Institute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> PCCI. And I reached out to her, and now she's here, and I'm so grateful.
0: Well, we are grateful to have you. Tell us a little more. Christy just scratched the surface, I'm sure.
2: Yes, well, and you talked about my coaching, and um, on a personal level, my husband Jeff and I have been married for 30 years, and we have three boys, one in heaven, and we'll be talking more about that today, and two on earth. Um, and so our two boys are now in college. Um, I stayed at home when they were young, and as they grew up, I went back to work and got into but, and got into coaching and love it.
0: Yeah, coaching is an amazing art. Christy has just exposed me to it uh, very superficially but as we were saying before the show, it's an amazing art. And in the intro, I said that you have walked ground that nobody wants to walk. Tell us about that.
2: Yes. Well, in February 4th of 2018, we lost our oldest son, Matt, to suicide. And that began a very difficult and challenging journey, one in which God has been so faithful. And I wouldn't be here today if the Lord hadn't really carried me and supported me through that.
0: We've done this series on struggle, and we're not on the surface of this. We're trying to dig in, and we really Mm. want people to know that faith is real, and God is real, and He's a real refuge and a real shield and a real staff on which to lean. And so just please start at the beginning as you would, And uh, tell us about how the journey was for you through that pain and with his help.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, um, our son was a senior at Texas A&M University, and he was about to graduate with honors and had a great job. And unbeknownst to us, um, he, well, his girlfriend was breaking up with him. And that was really, evidently, really difficult for him. We didn't know this was happening. And so on the morning of February 4th, we had gone to church and we got a phone call right after saying that Matt was unresponsive. It came from his roommate. And so we jumped in the car, drove to College Station, no idea what was in store for us. I mean, I, I we just thought, oh, he might, you know, health issue or something like that. But, um... On the way, oh, I got a phone call, and it was the Texas AM police, and they were telling us to come to the police station. And we just, I just knew in my heart, like if he was alive, they wouldn't be calling us to come to the police station. Oh, and so at that moment, I, you know, Richard, it was just I had a just a sense from the Lord, like this came over me. It wasn't audible, but just this still voice just said, you know, you're Picking up a very a heavy burden, um, I am with you. I had this vision of a conduit pipe, like those big white pipes that, like, you know, wires would go through or something or water. And this, and those, it said, um, you know, I want my glory to flow through you. And this in this white pipe, the more of me and my flesh was in it, the less of the Lord and his glory would flow. Mm. And so I just had the sense as well at that point that I was supposed to speak at Matt's service, and all of this was in a a moment. Mm.
0: The courage that it takes to do what you're doing, to speak to us about the worst days of your life, uh, I admire so much. A lot of times I think military people, as courageous as we're supposed to be, do not have the courage to go back over that ground and to share that with the world around them. And then at the same time we sometimes complain that the world around us doesn't understand
2: mm-hmm. as
0: military people. And so for you to be here in this place so real, you know, sometimes people think of God he's far away and stuff like that, but you're telling us a story now. You're beginning to tell a story of a God who is right there in the very worst of moments. And so I I hope people hear that. And I hope you know how courageous I think that is.
2: Yeah, I, I can't
0: imagine what that's like.
2: Well, you know, it's part of my, just my desire that this would, the Lord would use my pain somehow that other people would be helped, that people would be encouraged. It says at the beginning in 2 Corinthians 1, he talks about, he he comforts us so that we in turn can comfort others with a comfort we ourselves have received from him. And so that's where it is. I just, I just pray. And in fact, when we were even talking to the pastor before we were going to do the service, we were kind of wrestling. Well, like, are we going to talk about suicide and mental health or not? And I also just had a sense from the Lord that, he, more people would be helped if we were open and honest about it.
1: Mm.
2: So, and now, and my husband and I also minister to couples who have lost a child to suicide. Because it's, it's it's sadly it's increasing, and people need help.
0: And this is your ministry.
2: It is. It is not one I would have picked. You know, if I was getting to choose, but it is where I am.
0: Right. You know, we said in an earlier episode that. A lot of times we don't speak for Christ because we can't remember Scripture. And we have all of these feelings given to us by the devil that we're not good enough, we're not, Mm -hmm. who are we to speak Mm -hmm. for Jesus? And so we said in that show, your personal testimony is the most powerful thing you can do anyway. And then we were saying, what personal testimony does not come from pain? The pain of struggle. What worthwhile testimony to God's love and his power and his ability to be with us in his hugeness and our smallness does not come from something so hard.
1: Something that came to mind is when he meets us without a, at our pain, then we can meet others at their pain. Mm, yeah. So true.
0: That's certainly a good lesson. This is how he found me without judgment, and so I should be able to bring that to others. Friends, we're having a very, I hope, meaningful conversation with Wendy Gaikama. And in the second segment, we will find out a little more about her and uh, the journey that she's walking. Stay with us. In
1: place, Hello, everyone. This is Christy Mendelow. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of this show And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
2: What a friend we have in Jesus!
0: Friends, welcome back. We're talking with Wendy Geikema, a Christian, a wife, a mother and a certified executive coach who is courageously sharing her story about the loss of her son, Matt, to suicide. And at the break, we were having a great conversation here, and I was asking everybody to save some of it for the show because there is just so much to talk about, and our objective with this is to really help everyone to know struggle, how we all struggle, how God is with us in struggle, how some ways are more productive to uh, to struggle than other ways uh, sometimes people can get stuck and then that's very difficult So there's really no greater tragedy than I could imagine mm-hmm. and so Wendy, as this tragedy unfolded for you, I imagine you asked God why a lot
2: yeah that's it's actually a really common thing for survivors of suicide because it's an extra layer of pain in it all. Um, Yeah, I really did have to wrestle um, and come up with sort of my own sense of it, um, which was we live in a fallen world and things aren't the way God intended them to be. Um, Mental health is really complicated. Matt was an adult. He had free will. And I also believe there is a piece of spiritual attack in this as well. Um, And all of these threaded together – but I also felt that as uh, it wasn't going to be healthy or helpful for me to keep digging that up and keep asking why and why and why. Um, And certainly as like healthy rational people, we can't even understand the mind of someone who is struggling with mental illness and we in contemplating suicide, we just can't, we can't. And so I've had to, just work with the Lord and just choose to say, let go. I'm not going to figure this all out, Lord. I'm going to trust you. It's happened. Help me help me to walk through it, but help me not to get stuck in the weeds of the why, because I see p- some people, they never get past that. And that's I knew that wasn't what God had for me.
0: What is the next step? What was it for you?
2: Well, it was, um, you're really faced with a choice in a situation like that, you know, necessarily realize it but you're faced with a choice of am i going to believe and trust god or am i going to doubt him and go with my feelings and um and so that's the first choice you have and and for me I was I'm like well I'm going to trust him he's all i got he's and that's it so so whatever this looks like lord i'm trusting you i'm going to turn to you you're going to guide me through it
0: And so that was lots of sleepless nights and waking up in the middle of the night after 30 minutes of sleep.
2: Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just even like, even as you said that, it just like comes back so much. So many tears, so much shock. Um, Oh, yeah, sleepless nights were hard. Um, And yet I, you know, and it was, you're in shock at first. You just feel like this can't be happening. And then you're like that worst day is your. You're in the funeral home and you see your child's name on the death certificate, and you're just like, "Oh, this is just not happening," but it is. Um, and and yet, the Lord, in His goodness, He would bring back. He might have somebody send a prayer, or they might. He might recall a scripture I had memorized, or he, he would just. I'd put on praise music, and that would encourage me. There were just like little God moments that helped me gain strength through it.
0: I uh, remember when I was going through a trauma, I woke up at like two o'clock every morning.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And mostly you probably went to bed at 1230 or one. -hmm. And I came to this decision point where I said, you can resent every night when you wake up at two and the rest of the night can be a fight. Or you can just decide that God is waking you up at two because he wants to talk to you. And so then I started looking forward to my 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. wake up when, hey, the Lord wants to talk to me. I wonder what we're going to talk about. And it was some of the most amazing closeness and conversation I felt with God.
2: Oh, I love that story, Richard. And it just talks about our mindset. Like, how are we open to hearing from him? You know, Are we asking and looking forward to what he's going to say, or are we closed off because we think we know the best way through things?
0: Wow. Tell me more about that, because that seems like a choice in itself.
2: Well, it is. There's a lot of choices through this journey. Um, and certainly that choice of sometimes I just could tell that my, my feelings, my emotions, they were so raw. I, they would, you know, I could just get consumed with my grief and I felt it. I I definitely went to a lot of counseling and, and definitely work through a lot, but I also had times I just had to say, Lord, will you show me what would be a, what would be helpful to be thinking about right now? Or what, well, what would you want me to feel? What, because I'm thinking that where I'm going isn't very, I'm not in a good place. Will you help me? And he really did. And sometimes it would just be, I would just have a sense of love or I would gratitude and just, you know, I felt like he could, he helped me take my thoughts captive and, And really, I think, um, bring healing through that.
0: And then make a choice. Did you ever have to say to yourself, where do I want to be when this is over? Did you ever have the objectivity to say, uh, what do I need to be for the other kids? What do I need to be for my family? Right now, all I have the energy to do is to try and save myself did you have to develop a vision of something later on?
2: I did, and that's that's such a good question. I I've felt several things. I didn't want to give the enemy a victory and let him take me down. I felt that God was too big, that he had more for me, and that if I let myself be defined by this, that this was sort of the end of my life, that that would be being disobedient to the Lord— And I very much needed to be, you know, a wife and mother to my husband. Husband was struggling. My boys were struggling. I mean, suicide, I use the example, it's like a bomb going off and it releases emotional shrapnel into the fabric of family's life and friend's life. It's really, it's really hard. Um, But I wanted to not let that be the defining thing of my life
0: that was your vision that this would not define you.
2: Mhm. Because that would I wanted to give God the glory and say, "Lord, look at look God can do amazing things." And he did.
0: Why is it that you think some people would get stuck in that place as opposed to being able to generate that vision?
2: Well, it's hard because I have so much compassion for people in struggle. Um and I think it's some of it's surrender. It's just, just it's surrendering. And like, Lord, it's to say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like it. I don't want this, but I'm going to choose to trust you and trust that you have a way and a path and hope for me. Hope became my big, that was a big piece in this. I, um, grieve with hope. It's from a verse in first Thessalonians, how it talks about, we don't grieve as other people, but we grieve as those with hope. And, um, And so I really clung to that. The grief is raw and hard, but the hope is real. I'm going to see Matt again, and I'm going to be with him for eternity.
0: So you had a a vision of a ministry in grief and in struggle and in helping people using this story, or did that come to you later?
2: That came to me as time went on. I think at first you're just trying to, you (sighs) know— you're in so much pain and you're trying to help your family and they're in so much pain. And, and then it just, as as time went on, but I did pray, Lord, use this, use this plane, this pain, use this, may it be a platform for you in some way. I don't know how, but then as time went on, you know, people, I had another, I had another friend, she lost her son to suicide. So then walking that with her, I've had other women now come to me and they've lost children Um, And, you know, I know what they're going through. I want to help.
0: What I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is you had to be where you are. You had to spend uh, a proper, appropriate amount of time where you were in the grief. And were you forgiving of yourself in that place? Or did you feel like you, you were doing something wrong?
2: No, I felt that this is where I needed to be. I think through my coaching work and other things, I've just seen that you can't, if you stuff emotions and don't feel them, they are going to come out later in ways you cannot anticipate and often more intense. So I'm like, I want to I feel this. I want to grieve well, whatever that looks like. It's, it's hard to often know, but, and let me let me feel this. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen.
0: And then was there a time when you made a choice where you said, I'm ready to move on?
2: It was more sort of a gradual awareness of, of just of a sense of people are coming to me. And again, another choice. Am I going to, you know, help them or not? I mean, the week that my friend lost her son to suicide, it was so hard because I'm walking with her and it's stirring up every, it's all the pains coming back to me. And I can remember and that that first week is like, it's the worst week of your life. It's so horrible. And I was like living it all over again. But I'm like, Lord, help me. I want to help my friend. I want to help her. And and I, and I do believe he was able to use that.
0: Shame. Something that I took from some of the uh, notes that you had sent was the worst day of your life became the worst week of your life. And so, friends, I hope what you hear in all of this is that there's no right way or there's no wrong way, but you have to be where you are, and you have to be in that place. And uh, if you don't allow yourself to be in that place with God, um, then it's going to change uh, the 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 way you come out of it. And then it could be uh, something that gets you stuck, and it could be something that defines you uh, for the worse, as opposed to something that defines you for the good that you can do later on for people. And then the next thing I heard was that you have to have a vision of something after and something that's not painful and something that's a service to God, knowing that He walks with us in everything. And if you remember in a previous show, Christy talked about that. Your belief about your circumstances will define how things go So I hope you hear uh, what Wendy has been so brave as to share. And I hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back uh, after these messages.
1: They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mindelo, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life.
0: Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are or a friend or family member is struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are talking with Wendy Geikema about her struggle following the loss of her son, Matt. And a verse which occurs to me from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And when you're in struggle and when you're in grief, it's very hard often to focus on anything but what's right in front of you. And the pain that's right in front of you. I remember when I lost my best friend in a jet crash. And I was mowing the grass. Uh, The next day I was going to be taking his body to Arlington. uh, And I would be meeting with his parents. And they were going to come back to the air station where we were stationed in North Carolina. And I was mowing the grass. And it was the summer in North Carolina. And I remember I could not... I contemplate putting one foot in front of the other as I mowed this grass. And each step was just so heavy, I didn't think I could take it, and then I would take it, and I would take another step. So if you'd have said to me in that moment, focus on what is unseen, it would have been very hard because what was seen was so overwhelming. But that is our faith, and that is the love of our God that he is with us and closer to us even when we struggle. So uh, we're talking with Wendy about the loss of her son, Matt, and we were talking in the last segment a little bit about, I guess, what you could call grieving well. Mm -hmm. Uh, More productive ways to look at this, spending time with your pain, we said was important. We said to have a vision beyond this time because this will be over. We move forward. The one thing that's true about life is that uh, change is constant. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say on the subject of grieving well?
2: Mm, That's such a rich conversation there because there's so many pieces of it. Um, And one, such a big piece has been allowing other people to come alongside and help me. And, you know, I would share... I shared prayer requests. I shared my pain. I was I was open with friends. Um, we had a lot of people that would reach out and pray for us or send me verses. Um, and then allowing people to help. Like they would, people brought meals. People brought all sorts of stuff. They went grocery shopping because really the first time I tried to go grocery shopping, I I walked in and I saw like Matt's favorite food. And I, I, Cry I had to go back in the car and I cried and I couldn't do it. couldn't grocery shop. And so it's like some one of my friends said, "Hey, I'll, can I go to the store for you?" And I was like, "Oh thank you, Lord, thank you. And I don't have to go to the grocery store for, for a bit." Um, and so just the, the community of believers and allowing them to love you because that's part of that's, that's what God calls us to, that was huge.
0: Well, I did kind of allude to that when I was saying that sometimes military people don't share. What we have, and we carry it as a burden, and we know that part. That's part. uh, That's a small part of PTSD, and at the same time, then people don't understand, and then they're scared of us, and then we get less connectivity, and then we're more isolated in our grief, and that translates later to being stuck in it.
1: Mm -hmm. It brings to mind what I'm hearing there is vulnerability, and it's it's tough for us to do vulnerability, Uh, no matter and so there's a it calls to us to bring down those walls and reach out and that even that can be so hard and to do and it takes courage
0: because sometimes yeah. people do wrong things
1: well yeah, oh, yeah. because the, they, they're so uncomfortable with yeah. i don't know what to say and then they say the wrong thing and so
0: you let your guard down and yeah. then somebody says something crazy to you and you're yeah. like okay never doing that again but uh rabbi kushner said something so Important in the book that I'm reading when bad things happen to good people. And I'm reading the 20th anniversary edition of the book. His son died uh, in the early 80s. And so in the early 2000s, he wrote a new preface to it. And he was talking about how uh, he was called to minister to people after the Oklahoma City bombing, six weeks after the bombing. He's in Oklahoma, and he's ministering to the people who lost loved ones, and he said to each one of them, how have you been coping for the last six weeks? And he tells the story that each of them said the exact same word, Mm. and that word is community. And so what we know from the Bible is that God hates people who cause disharmony in the community, and if any good is going to come of this, then certainly unity in the grief, uh, community in our pain. And you said at the break that your pain gave you the ability to uh, feel others' pain and help others in their pain. Mm. And what could be a better tribute to the person you loved than to use that to help others?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want. I feel like I honor my son
1: as I help other people who are struggling, it's interesting, as I lost both my parents um, 10 years ago in a span of five months, one of the things that held me together was I, I want to honor them as I live and make the choices that I could that would, would honor them along the way, and that kept me going, so I get that. Yeah, um, Rabbi Kushner
0: makes that point in his book when he says they did not enjoy the fullness of their days. So your days now become their days also. Mm. And so now you're living out your days yeah, and you're living out their mm-hmm. days. And what can you do that would be glorious? And uh, I have to tell you, I've said this before, the, the thing I like best about myself is serving others. Yeah, And so if in our pain, if after we've spent this time there and we've grieved properly, and then we uh, nurture the belief that we will be able to help others, and if that's the vision that pulls us forward each day, what could be a better tribute?
2: Right. Well, because we know until Jesus comes back, there's always there will be pain. There is trouble in the world, and it's hard. And that's God's calling us to help other people through yeah,
0: it. Absolutely. Uh, my uncle has an expression that he likes to use. He says a certain thing is cold comfort. And so, uh, for example, uh, if you scrape your knee and you meet a man who's lost his leg, it doesn't mean that your scraped knee doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean that you can't talk about it. So the idea that there is so much struggle and the struggle of a son uh, losing a son to suicide, and if that makes a listener feel like, well, their struggle is not that. And so it's almost not worthy. I hope you're not hearing that, friends, because that scraped knee is as painful to that person. And they're entitled to that pain to be where they are with that. And then the man who lost his leg, he's entitled to be there. And the idea is not that one is better than the other. The idea is that we know what pain is and that we share that knowledge and it brings us together and it helps us in our forgiveness of each other. I think that's a big thing to come of all of this, wouldn't you agree that that we learn how to be forgiving?
2: Well, and and in this we've had to learn to forgive ourselves. We had to forgive our son for what he did. You've had to forgive there has to be forgiveness somewhere in the in the the grief journey. Um is us. that a
0: is that a very late stage of it? Is that a very it mature comes, stage of yeah, it? Yeah, I think
2: it comes it comes later, but it also was I didn't want to allow bitterness to creep into my heart. So I, I chose I said, Okay, I'm not I don't want to give the enemy a foothold. I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna choose to forgive Matt for what he did to our family, because I don't believe he really understood what he was doing.
0: That's a choice. We've talked about several choices along the way. Mm-hmm. Decisions you had to make when you were at this difficult place where nobody should be making any decisions. You were having to make decisions.
2: Well, and you know, walking with the Lord, there's there's so many little decisions along the way. Am I going to spend time with Him today? Am I going to pray? Am I going to call that person that I think I probably, might, you know, I'm, that I'm feeling that tug on my heart to call? And so there, life is this series of big and small decisions.
0: What is the most helpful thing that anybody did for you in the grieving process?
2: Mm, That is such a great question. I feel like just being with me, not trying to tell me how to grieve or what to do, um, listening and also just encouraging me in the Lord, but not telling me, you know, and not trying to just, just loving and being with, you know, and not trying to make it all better or think that there's going to be something, but also not avoiding the conversation because so many people, they hold back because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. Well, just say, you, you just have to say, I am so sorry. You know, I can. I, this is so hard.
0: What is the worst thing? that somebody did in their efforts to comfort you.
2: Um, they said, at least you still have two more kids. Mm.
0: Shame. Friends, uh, if you read the book of Job, which is the quintessential book on uh, of the Bible on suffering, Job's friends, his three friends, came over with him uh, very early on. And God bless them, they came to him. It must have been hard for them. They could have stayed home and and, uh, been comfortable, but they stepped into that discomfort. And for the first seven days, they sat with Job and they said nothing. And I can't imagine how hard that was for them, and I can't imagine how comforting it was for Job. And after seven days, that's when the wheels came off the cart and they said all kinds of crazy stuff that was just really bad. But that's what the book of Job is about. And if you want to hear crazy things that you shouldn't say, you should read that book. And we're going to come back and talk with Wendy Geikema a little more in the fourth segment. Stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281 656 one eight three three or email us at courageous Christianity at gmail dot com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at two eight one six five six eighteen thirty three or email us at courageous at gmail dot com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends you're back with courageous Christianity and we're talking with Wendy Geikuma. About the loss of her son, Matt, and as I thought about this show and prepared for it, I was very excited about the fact that Wendy is a coach. And so understanding how people move around uh, in grief or struggle or transition is her wheelhouse. Right, Coach? Mm -hmm. And so who better to speak into this tragedy even though it was her own tragedy who better to help us understand it and help us understand the journey of struggle and the transformational potential in struggle and uh, the good that can come out of it and a lot of times when we uh, have struggle people want to blame God they want to be angry at him they think of him as the mad scientist that I alluded to in the beginning mixing uh, things around in a test tube and that is not how it is. He is a loving God, and people make choices, and things happen, and we are left to deal with those things. And the question is, as you may have heard throughout the first three segments, what choice will we make? Believe it or not, a lot of these things are choices. And so being a coach, if I understand it correctly, is about helping people find their way to the right choice And when we say right, even that has quotations around it. Mm -hmm. How would you speak into that? The right choice, the best choice, the most productive choice, the choice that says, I'm going to make good come of this. What is, what, how do you do that?
2: Well, that's interesting because I think someone in coaching, we're very careful or mindful of the questions we're asking. And so some of that right choice, you know, in in quotation, as you, uh, you know, there's no one right choice, but. It's to be careful of how we're talking to ourselves and what kind of questions we're asking ourselves. And when we get so stuck in the why me, why him, why is this happening? Or we get and we're not, if we're not careful about what we're saying to ourselves, that then can lead us to places that we're more likely to get stuck. Um, And the Lord says, in the psalm, he said, You know, that we, he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So he cares about what we're telling ourselves and what we're asking ourselves. And at times when I didn't feel like I even knew, I could just say, Lord, help me. Like, what, what should I be doing? What should I be thinking? What's best for me now?
0: And you'll hear a lot of voices, and you'll wonder, is that God or is it the devil? And if the voice is telling you that you deserve this, or that it's bad, or that this is what your life is, that's not God. And if the voice is saying, I love you, and there's a choice to be made here, and I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, well, that's God. And then we have to step into the choices that will lead us down that road.
2: Yes. Well, and there's that's so that's such wisdom because understanding the tone and tenor of the Lord and how He talks to us, you know, He doesn't speak, He's not a God of condemnation. And so, with that judgy inner critic voice, that's not Him. And to be able to, to know that and then say, no, I'm not going to listen to that.
1: What I've heard in both of the things you said there is the word lead. And we often talk about in coaching those leading questions, like kind of, we know the answer, and so we're going to ask the question that leads them to that answer. But if so, the question for us would be, who's leading us? Who's leading our thoughts? Is it God? Is it the Word? Is it Scripture? Or is it yeah the devil?
0: Well, you said very early on something that you said. You said it in two different ways. Take the thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. And you really have to. Because at 2 o'clock in the morning when I was waking up in that place, I had a choice to make. Was I going to uh, dread the rest of the night, or was I going to say, my God wants to talk with me and wants to help me, and I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to find him there? mm mm-hmm. And that was a choice, and it was a decision that this is how I'm going to look at my 2 a.m. wake-up call.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have an example of something? Yeah, like well, that?
2: and and also, but also realizing and and asking Him even for the strength to get, to walk out that choice, mm. because sometimes it's like, okay, Lord, I know this is what You're calling me to do, but it seems so hard. So, I, I want to follow You. Just show me what's the one next step in that.
0: Ironically, this I I, I don't mean to be punny with this, mm-hmm. but let's say you come home from a hard day. And you're tired and you're in a place of struggle and you're thinking, I want to sit down on the sofa and drink a beer. And you say, Lord, what would be the next right step? And he says, let's go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And you say, Lord, please help me to have the energy to go for a walk. And let's pretend it's just around the block. But you did something intentional on which you will build. You gave him a place to get quiet and talk to you. And that to me would be like one of those little choices where you could be on the sofa drinking a beer, but now you're out walking and that's where the good will come.
2: Yes. And and you know what happens over time is those steps build on each other. And so you take that maybe you take that that small step, okay, I'm gonna spend five minutes in my Bible and I'm gonna pray. And then you do that, and then the next morning you're like, okay, I do that. Well, you know, as that builds year over year, you start to learn his word. You start to, maybe it becomes 10 minutes, it becomes 15 minutes, but you start to get a sense of the Lord and how he works because you're spending time with him. But it's it's a small daily thing that builds on each other.
0: Yeah, you become practiced at hearing his voice.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, like when you're, say, when a loved one calls on the phone, you don't uh, you know, even have to say, oh, is this, you know, mom or my husband? You know, I just know that they are because i have so used, I've had so many conversations and the more you have conversations with the Lord, the more you learn his voice. Great He's point. not
0: going to pick up the phone and say, you're a loser because you're sitting on the sofa drinking a beer. No. He's going to pick up the phone and say, I wish you would take a walk with me. Let's put down that beer and go for a walk. And today maybe it's one trip around the block, but tomorrow maybe it's two trips around the block. Right. And that's you know his voice because it's not condemnation, those of us who are free from sin in Christ by his love. And it's just so amazing. You know, um, again, referencing this book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Rabbi Kushner talks about, as human beings, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. So unlike animals, we know we will eventually die. Mm -hmm. And that distinguishes us from animals because that Labrador, he's not thinking about it. He's thinking about...
1: That's why he's so happy. (laughs) And
0: so it is a big load, friends. It is hard for us to contemplate our mortality and our struggle in light of our mortality. Is this all there is and so forth. But I think it's such an important thing in the is this all there is question to, to also embrace the opportunity which says, because I am mortal, I better do this now. I better make this choice now. I won't have forever to do this. I can let this define me, and then this will define my whole life, which I know is finite, or I can have a new definition and a new vision, and it really goes to what Christy said in those earlier shows about, it is your belief about you, and where you learn the most about that that belief and that truest definition is from the word of God as written in the Bible. When he says things like you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And this is the God of love. So final thoughts. What would you say to somebody who's in struggle right now?
2: I, I, I know how hard, I know it's hard and it feels so hard and it is. And I just encourage people to turn to the Lord and he is, he is faithful, and he loves you and cares about you and has plans and purpose for your life. And if you, as you turn to him, he is going to help you slowly, step by step, to get to a
1: place um, that's going to be a better place. Amen. I often say tiny baby steps, and I said it to a friend yesterday even, is tiny baby steps still wins the race.
0: Right. Well, that makes us a whole bunch of stuff I don't understand because babies always do take (laughs) tiny steps. And I haven't seen a lot of tiny step in racing babies either.
1: Well, let me show you the meme I sent her. It's really funny. It's all very
0: confusing. (laughs) Friends, uh, that is a confusing moment of truth, which brings us to the real moment of truth. As you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at scripture, which informs our discussion And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, and a refuge is a place of safety and security. And it's always relevant. It is living and breathing, and it will find us wherever we are for our particular situation. And if we walk it out on a daily basis, it never fails. And today our moment of truth comes from Psalm 18, verse 2, which says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. As you heard Wendy say, that's the strength that we have is the Lord. So as we struggle, it's very easy to get lost in the question of why. As though we have the vocabulary to understand like Job, and we want God to explain this is a very natural and reasonable response. At the same time, some things have no earthly explanation. All we can do is take our next best step, and then another, and then another. And as you take those steps, it's best to walk on solid ground, and God is that ground. He is our rock. He is the bedrock on which the foundation of everything lasting and valuable is built. If in our struggle, we can learn to trust in the boundless love of God and build on that, then we will be better off. And if in the vulnerability of our struggle, we can love those around us, then we will all be better off. And that, simply put, is courageous Christianity. So, Wendy, thank you so much for being with us and for being so courageous as to share this This amazing journey, this difficult journey.
2: Well, thank you both for having me, and I love what you're doing in meeting people in their struggles and pointing them to the Lord.
1: Mm. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, God. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word, at KKHT.com, or on CourageousChristianity.today. Or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. If you are in struggle, you're in our prayers. God bless and Semper Fi.